If you've never lingered in worship like that, um, I would invite you to open your heart and explore that. And if, if worship for you has always been something where you just sing or words on a screen or melody, it's so much more than that. And even if you're a skeptic or someone who goes, I don't even know if I believe in God, that's great. What I invite you to do is actually say, Lord, if you're real, would you speak to me? There's something so powerful in worship. It's a, um, I would actually contend that it's a conduit um, of the greater heavenly realm. Yeah? Okay, so that's number one. Number two, um, we're getting a little scrunchy in here. I recognize that. Uh, we're talking about other gathering points or services, but we haven't, you know, we're not quite ready to go that uh, direction yet. We love getting together as one, so keep scrunching. Yeah? Okay. Uh, number three, um, we have a very uh, special sort of guest with us this morning. Nathan Snell is going to be preaching to us. Um, that's right. I'm going to have you clap for him in just a minute and welcome him to the stage or the platform. Um, but I want to tell you a couple things about him because he won't tell you. All right. So first of all, he's on our lead team. So he's one of the elders here. Any, any decision that's being made, he's part of that. Um, second of all, about 10 years ago, give or take, I'm going to get some of these details wrong, but about 10 years ago, he and two other um, guys launched out of Live Oak Bank. Anybody heard of Live Oak Bank? Yeah. A couple of y'all? Okay. Local uh, bank that's gone all over the place. So they launched out, and they had the audacity to squish three little desks into some back corner of some room, and they had a sign printed that said, the worldwide leader in cloud banking. And they hung it over their three little silly, ridiculous desks. Ten years later, the company called Encino is the worldwide leader in cloud banking. Pretty cool. Now... Uh, that's important for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, Nathan was one of the founders that watched that go to, I don't know, some 1,500 employees. They're publicly traded. They're on four continents. It's amazing. But my favorite part about Nathan is not all that, as much as I love that. My favorite part is this right here. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. When you have the audacity to set a desk in a corner of a know-nothing building and hang a sign over it and call yourselves what you're not, and then you have the tenacity and determination to reach into that unseen reality and be a part of pulling that unseen reality into reality, that's powerful. Here's my question, is when the Lord Jesus gets a hold of that, what can we do in the kingdom? Yeah? So here's what I want you to do. He is not a professional preacher, at least not yet. But he does speak all over the place. And I want you to welcome him as a business leader, as someone, if you're on a cloud banking app like I am, guess what? He was part of defining that. That's amazing, isn't it? But I want you to hear him as someone who has walked with Jesus uh, successfully in the marketplace. Give him a big hand. Welcome Nathan to the stage. Much appreciated. And, and I would say it is okay, Michael. Um, Encino is not my favorite part of me either, so that's, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I, I enjoy it. I'm thankful for it. I love all the people there and what the Lord did there. But, uh, but yeah, Jesus is my favorite part. Um, let me just start by really by saying thank you. Um, you know, as Michael was saying, you know, being in the marketplace, uh, really it's, it's an honor and a privilege to, uh, to be in a different setting. 
you know, to be able to be um, with, you know, with the church. Um, you know, and frankly, it's, it's humbling, right, to even be a part of a church that's, you know, that, that carries um, just the love of Jesus with such open, with such open palms. Right? I mean, I, I think many places, and, and I'm sure we've probably been a part of them, um, many, many churches often sort of guard the platform, right? And, and they treat it as, oh, well, this is, this is my ministry or, or their ministry or what have you. And I think one of the things that I just love about Saltbox, about what we're doing here, is it's not ours. Right? This, this, is, it's, this is the Lord's. <laughs> so, and you all are a part of, of that truth, right, of making that happen. You know, and, and to me, I share that because, honestly, for me, normally marketplace people aren't invited to come and, and preach. Uh, so it, it's really a humbling and honoring thing to be able to be up here and, and really share uh, what the Lord has put on my heart, um, really for, I'd say, for years and things that he's been sort of showing me and teaching me and all that. Um, so thank you, Michael and, and Abby, and the sacrifices you all make. And again, just to, to all of you for letting me be up here. I would say too, so given that I'm, I'm more of a marketplace person, so I'd say the Lord has very much uh, made me to be a, a builder of things, a creator. So that, that ends up being businesses. It's people within businesses. Apparently, to some extent, it's churches now, which is great. Um, but part of that also means that uh, the Lord's created me to be a change agent, right? much like Michael was saying. You know, and change agent, if you're not, that's just a fancy business word for, uh, he, he uses me to drive change within a variety of places. And, and the reason I share that is because often what the Lord does, you know, does for me is he, he sort of gives me words, perspectives, visions, what have you, um, that's sort of just enough to tweak our perspective. Because usually when you're, when you're trying to change something, at least in, in my experience, how the Lord works through me, uh, when he wants me to change something, you know, it means that there's some element of what was there that needs to be restructured, right? It needs to be rebuilt. The sort of a new foundation needs to be needs to get set, uh, and that tweaking of perspective uh, needs to happen as a result to get there. And usually, that tweaking of perspective, being from the business world, means that you're, you're, you tend to be pretty blunt at times. So I would say, to, to Michael's point, I'm not a professional pastor, preacher, what have you. So I will probably say a thing or two this morning that might come off a bit blunt. Um, I would just say, understand that I love you guys. My heart is not to, not to offend, but that's just sort of, I'm, we'll say I'm working through that. That's just kind of what, what goes on in the marketplace. So, so hang with me there. Um, so this morning, really what we're going to talk through, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, uh, you've heard Michael say that we can have as much of the Lord as we want, right? And I think he was quoting Tozer from that, who's an awesome, um, was an awesome preacher from, I don't know, some number of years ago. I'm terrible with time. Uh, but, he, but Tozer, you know, and Michael's quoting him, said, you can have as much of the Lord as you want. And, and really even to make that a little bit more tangible uh, to some extent, to me, I really like to think about that as it means that we can walk in as much of the presence and power of Jesus every single day as we're willing to. And I don't know about you all, for me, that's both really awesome, but also a little bit intimidating. Because right? it's like, okay, well, how, how, do, how do we do that? How do we actually do that? And that's, like, that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is how do we get as much of the Lord Jesus as we want? Because learning that is ultimately what's transformative. Learning that is, is so critical. So we're going to go to Matthew 25 here. So if you have your Bible, open it up. Let me find, mine, find it real quick. If you don't have your Bible, you can pull out your phone. I would just say that as you're scrolling, don't scroll on Instagram, scroll on the Word. <laughs> All right, so Matthew, uh, so Matthew 25, just to give a little bit of context, is actually a continuation of Matthew 24. We're not going to read that. You can read that in your own time. It'll be great. Um, and really, it's a continuation about the end time. 
And it's Jesus talking about that being prepared for the end time, right? And, and how we sort of are able to identify some of the season and whatnot. And Matthew 25, uh, at least the beginning part, we're not going to read the whole thing, uh, is really a parable uh, around that. If, if Jesus starting to say, how do you get prepared for the end time? Uh, when, when, I read, when I read through it, to me, it really strikes me as this sort of like divine romance, right? And like guys in the room, I'm not a big rom-com guy. I don't know if there's a biblical rom-com or not, but I don't mean like that kind of romance. I mean romance between like the Lord and us, right? In, in just a beautiful way. So let's just, let's go ahead and jump in. So starting with verse one, so then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins. That's all of us. So that's believers in this room, the virgins because we're made righteous through Jesus. So it's like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. That's Jesus. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. So even just to park here for a second. So foolish in this case, if you actually look it up, uh, the word foolish here uh, tends to mean someone who's speaking or acting out of a dull or sluggish heart. Right? Out of a dull or sluggish heart. And one thing I'll even say here, and this is probably just because, again, I'm a business guy, so I tend to be pretty, pretty analytical. So, so when I look at this, so five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. That's not good odds. Just saying. That's 50-50. Like anything that's a coin flip, like I, I generally get a little uncomfortable about. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. So if, if we keep going here. For when the foolish took their lamps... This is why they're foolish. They took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. Now, as the bridegroom, Jesus, was delayed, in other words, he was coming when, it, when they weren't expecting, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Amen. That's good news, right? He's coming back. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy the foolish, while the foolish were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins, the foolish ones, came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, or be prepared, for you know neither the day nor the hour. That's good. Man, I love the word. The word is so good. So good. I love reading the word. So there's, there's a few things through that, and, and we'll jump back a little bit, but just wanted to read that to give the full context. Um, you know, I, I even talked covered through it as we were reading it, some of the symbolism that's there. What, what's sometimes easy to miss as we're reading through that is one really important point of, of symbolism that's present, and that's that this parable is all about the oil. Right? It's all about the oil. And the oil, biblically, represents the presence of the Holy Spirit. Right? The oil represents the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's about cultivating the presence of the Holy Spirit right, from the source, which is Jesus. That's really, that's what this parable is really, really focusing on. So with that context, let's jump uh, back up to verse 3 here. So verse three, So for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks, multiple flasks of oil with their lamps. 
So there's a few things just to, to even begin to unpack here. So one is both the foolish and the wise, they had a fire, right? They all had lamps. And, and to me, it's just such an interesting distinction because what it's saying to start with is that the difference between the foolish and the wise is that they both had a fire to start with, but with the wise, the fire remained. Right? With the wise, the fire did not go out. And I think what's so important here is that the reason that it remained with the wise is because they had the oil, right? They brought flasks of oil. I mean, to me, like, I don't know, I don't really know what a flask is. Maybe it's like a beaker, but it's like, you know, I imagine like they've got like all these flasks of oil. They, they brought as much as they could because they were coming prepared, right? They came prepared. I mean, I almost imagine as like, you know, carrying as many, like a satchel. I don't know if, that, if they carry satchels in biblical times, but like as much as they could, right? They're stuffing it all. So they're carrying all of this oil with them because they just, they love spending time with the Lord, right? And by contrast, you know, the foolish, they did not, they didn't bring any, they didn't bring anything else with them. I think the other really interesting thing here is that when I think about the flask, right, that, that's almost a sense of overflowing. So like the wise, they didn't just have a little bit, right? They didn't bring like a little Tupperware container or like a couple milliliters or whatever. Like they, they brought as much as they could. And it just gives me the sense of they were overflowing right, with the presence. They were overflowing with the oil, and it honestly, it reminds me, and I think it's, this is just so, so important to get, right? Because this is something that all of us can have, right? Jesus is speaking this parable because we can all be overflowing. I mean, if you look at Moses, for example, right? Like just examples from the Bible of folks of what it looks like to overflow. So Moses, right, sees the backside of the glory of the Lord and his face emanates, right? He's got so much oil from that encounter that his face is literally emanating, or if you think about, uh, if you go back and you read some of Ezekiel at the beginning, the first couple of chapters, the Lord actually, t- actually shares this process of how he talks about how he wants the priests to enter into his presence and then depart his presence. And part of what he tells the priests is they need to, bring, they need to put on different clothes when, he comes, when they come into the presence of the Lord. And then before they leave the temple, they're supposed to take off those garments and set them down before they go out to see the people. Right? And the reason is that Jesus is the source, the presence. He, the Lord literally says that his presence was so strong, was so holy, it was on the garments of the priests, right? It's like they, 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 support, they you know, the flask of oil spilled out, right? And it was all over the clothes, right? And that they, they're supposed to take it off because the people hadn't spent the time, right? Jesus hadn't come as part of it, but they hadn't spent the time. They were not deserving at that point. So I think there's this element of, of sort of, of the emanating presence, right? That comes from the oil, the other, I think, really important part of this, and, and, and I share this even for myself, of this is, this is something the Lord kind of brought me through and, and, really, um, and really sort of uncovered, which is that this also means that we have different levels of relationship with the Lord, right? There are different levels of intimacy that, that we get, right? And, and, and maybe to say it differently, we all will have a different kind of relationship with the Lord, right? I think sometimes if you look at the, the, the disciples, for example, sometimes it's easy to go, oh, well, like they were all just sort of like, you know, the same, they all loved the Lord, which is true, obviously. Like, they all loved the Lord, you know, and they all were kind of just like the same general mold. Right? But in reality, only three of them were at transfiguration. Right? That's a different level of intimacy, a different level of encounter with the Lord. Even, even of those three, think about John, for example. Many of them were martyred. John couldn't even be martyred. Right? He couldn't be killed. He was so filled with Jesus that when they tried to kill him, they couldn't. 
So what they do, right? They take him and they throw him on an island. They're like, oh, we've got to get rid of this guy somewhere, right? So throw him on an island, throw him on Patmos. And then while he's there, I'd say most of us, certainly for myself, I would probably not be like, cool, I'm stranded on a desert island. What am I going to do? I know my favorite thing. I'm going to spend all my time with the Lord, <laughs> right? And he does, and he gets arguably the great, one of the greatest revelations of all time, which is now Revelation, the book of Revelation. So that, this, this, this is what, what I'm talking about when I say the oil, right? When the Lord's talking about the oil here and the importance of the oil. Because really from, from all of that, and even why I highlight the disciples, is one, it's about relationship, but the Lord wants to know us, right? You can't get the oil except for from Jesus. And he wants to know us. I, I would go so far as to say that the Lord wants us more than we want him, yeah. Right? He, he is love. We love because he first loved us. And he wants us more than we want him, which isn't, we shouldn't say, see as a bad thing, right? It's, it's, it's more of a, instead of comparing ourselves to each other, we need to compare ourselves to the Lord's desire for us. <laughs> because the result, right, is that's what we get to stretch to. It's not, oh, well, how's this person over here doing? Oh, okay, well, like, I guess I'm pretty good compared to, no. No, we, this room, we are not the standard. Jesus is the standard. And the standard of that love and relationship. <clears throat> Thank you. Hopefully you guys are having fun. Am I pushing too hard? Am I pushing too hard? Just to be clear. Okay. Good. Good. All right. Awesome. We'll keep going. We'll keep going. All right. So we'll, we'll skip ahead a little bit here to uh, verse 7. All right. So then all those virgins, all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. The thing about the foolish here, right? Again, if we, if we think about it as, as this, this dull and sluggish heart, and we read through that verse, it's that the foolish were satisfied, clearly satisfied with their spiritual state. They, they, were, they were okay with where, the, with where they were at. They fundamentally came unprepared, right? The wise, the wise brought flasks of oil because they hadn't. The foolish didn't because they didn't have it, right? And what's so interesting to me too is the foolish knew when to show up, right? Like they knew to be there. The wise and the foolish, they came at the same time. They came at the same time, but the foolish fundamentally came unprepared, And, and then, what's just so interesting is, not only do they come unprepared, right, but they end up asking others for oil, right? So, again, they're saying, oh, well, we, we ran out. You know, can, can we have some of yours? So it's like, no, uh, you can't. But I'd even say it's not because they couldn't give it. It's because if you, know, if you read it again, where was the part here? Um, you know, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself, right? It's because getting the oil costs something, Right? There's fundamentally a sacrifice that has to happen. And the foolish, right, they're going, okay, well, sort of, we, we realize now that we need something more. So they're looking to somebody else that isn't Jesus for it. Wow. And the, the important aspect of that so much is that Jesus came, right, to, to sever that divide. Right? Jesus is the source of oil. The presence of the Holy Spirit comes for Jesus. It comes from Jesus. It is the Spirit of the Lord. 
right? It dwells because he dwells in us. And Jesus came to separate, right? He came, he came to remove, I should say, excuse me, the separation. And the result of that, right, should be that then the foolish don't go, oh, wise, give me something. Instead, they can go, Jesus, give me something. Yeah. Right? Because he came, he came to, to remove that separation. He tore the veil, right? So we could enter into his presence. So we didn't have to go to anybody besides him for the oil. Yes. Right? It's good. It is good. Sorry, it gets me excited. It's so good. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to harp a little bit on, on the first part again. So the, the foolish knew when to show up, right? which, which to me shows too that they knew how to behave, but they were missing who they're behaving for. Right? So like, they showed up on Sunday, but they missed the person that they're supposed to be present for. Right? Right? Sorry, I know I'm pushing. Pushing! <laughs> so, because so the, the joy, and, and that's the thing, right? Being here, whether it's, whether it's Sunday or, or different days, it's about the joy of the Lord. It's about being able to get the oil. And I'm not saying don't show up on Sunday. Obviously, it's a wonderful thing. Community is a wonderful thing. It's great. But th- there's an aspect, right, of cultivating the oil that you can't get from somebody else. You just can't, right? As we're seeing, right? Jesus came to, you know, he, he, he removed the separation. So that way he could be known. Because at the end of the day, the Lord is not looking for a divided heart, right? Part of removing that separation, part of paying that cost is that the Lord is fundamentally wanting to be, wanting to be our first love. Right? Wanting to be our first. I mean, th- think about this, right? He, he is the lion and the lamb, right? He is the king of all things and the sacrifice, he, he was at the beginning, and he will be at the end. Yes. And, he, and he wants us, right? He is the greatest. He is the greatest among men, the fairest among men, and the least of these. Yes. He's like the ultimate beautiful paradox. And he's removed all separation so we can actually come to him, so we can get to know him. One of the things that when it comes to cultivating oil, and we'll get in just a minute to, okay, we talked a whole lot about oil, I get it, but into like, how, how do we actually, how do we practically really get in and do that? You know, I think just one, one example that, uh, that just struck me is when it comes to cultivating oil, when it comes to spending the, you know, spending the time with the Lord, and we'll talk about it in a minute, you know, if, if you look at Peter, for example, so, you know, if you're not familiar with, with, uh, with the story, so, you know, Peter was on a boat with some of the other disciples. Jesus is walking on water. He's coming out to him. The disciples freak out. I understand. I would too. I'd be like, dude, there's a random guy standing out there. <laughs> right? So they're freaking out, they're, you know, and they're, and they're looking at him, right? Because Jesus starts speaking to him. And Peter, said, and Peter looks at him and he goes, okay, Lord, if that's you, I mean, you, you, gotta have to, you have to have kind of eye contact, right? Especially when something's walking towards you from the water. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so Peter's fixated on Jesus. And he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you, right? Tell me to come out to you. And the Lord does, right? So Peter steps out of the boat, right? And he's walking towards Jesus and he's walking on water. And he's, because he's fixated, right? In order to walk to somebody, you have to be paying attention to where they're at, right? Fixated. And then as the storm sort of whips up a little bit and the wind blows, Peter gets distracted, right? So he looks away, he diverts his gaze and he sinks. We, we have got to fixate our gaze on Jesus. The way that we get the oil, and we, again, we'll get this more in a second, is it's by spending time with him. It's by, it's by looking at him. And I think sometimes 
in the American church, in my experience anyway, we, overcom- we overcomplicate the gospel. And we overcomplicate even our circumstances. And we go, oh, well, like, I need breakthrough. And we try to like do different formulas. And like, if you do all these different things, then great, like, then breakthrough will come. So sometimes the answer to breakthrough is just looking at Jesus. Yeah. Right? We, we, it's the benefit of becoming who you're beholding. Yeah. Right? It's letting him be more in you than the world is around you. So, so how do we actually get to know him? And, and I'll share this as, um, you know, I've talked about even the formulas and everything. So, so for myself, just to give you, to give you some context, so you know, I, I grew up in the church. So I spent, you know, my first 20 years of my life, um, I went, went to a Baptist church, which is both lovely, and if you've been to Baptist church, a Baptist church. Um, I can say that. I went there for a while. I'm sorry if you've, been, if you've been to one, if you enjoyed it. That's awesome. I'm glad. I enjoyed parts of it too. It's filled with truth. Um, I totally distracted myself. <laughs> um, so anyway, so yeah, first 20 years of my life, you know, I, I grew up in the Baptist church. I went to Christian schools um, really until college, and I was filled with truth. And from that, I, I spent, um, I, I knew of the Lord a whole lot. I didn't know him much at all. And, and, that, and that's even some of this gap, right, you know, that we're, that we're talking through here is that when it comes to how, how do we actually know him, it's moving from a place of knowing of him to a place of really fully knowing him. Because you can, frankly, be in a place where you just know of him. You know, if you look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees of the day, Right? They knew a whole lot of Jesus. They were present in his time, but they weren't actually present with him. Right? They knew the word. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the word really, really well and missed entirely who it's about. The man Jesus. Right? So I, I share that to say for myself, right? part, part of, sort of even, this, um, even focusing on the oil and, and this word is, for myself, I spent most of my younger life I guess I'm still young. I don't know. The younger part of my younger life, whatever. <laughs> you know, wanting, wanting to know the Lord more deeply and, and just knowing of him. I'd say until, I, you know, I'd, I met a group of friends and everything, and, and they really, really knew him, and they were dripping with oil. And, and I would even say, I think, I think there's even times, right, where, where we look at those in the church and we go, well, like, they speak in tongues, or like, oh, man, they raise their hands when they worship, or like, they're a little bit weird, <laughs> but they have the oil. Right? But they have the oil. By whose standard are they weird? Are they weird to the world because they're not of it? They're not doing the things of the world? Because man, like, I tell you, now, like, cool, call me weird. Awesome. <laughs> Great. I don't care. I just love Jesus. <laughs> so how, how do we get weird? No, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> so how do we... <laughs> How do we get to know? How do we get to know him, right? How do we get the oil? <laughs> and it's um, it's a really simple process, right? I spent many many years boiling it down. No, no, it really it really is a simple process. The way that we get to know him, you ready for it? We spend time with him. <laughs> so it's both that easy, and it's that hard. Right? Is we just we spend time with him, and I don't know about you all. For myself. That was, that was sort of, that was very, like, that was a revelation for me of like, okay, wait. So to get to know him, I spend time with him. Like, okay, well, like, what, what does that look like? 
right? And, and to me, that was honestly, that was, that was so much of the challenge is the right language was always in place, right? Like the sort of right language was present, but like the actual actions and the people that were dripping with oil weren't as present. So I, I couldn't bridge that gap. So really, when we, when we talk about spending time with him, I know this is also going to be a shocker, what it looks like is spending time with him. I know, I know. Like, I'm a business guy. I got to keep things simple for myself. <laughs> but, but really, right, it's, all that means is it's relationship, right? The man, Jesus, was a person. He was born, he lived, he loved, he did amazing things. You know, he died for our sins, praise him. He was resurrected. And then he was ascended, right? He's in heaven. But he's fundamentally a person. So how, how do you get to know a person? You spend time with him. It's so like, like with my wife, Stacy, for example. Obviously, amazing, lovely wife, you didn't know. She, the, she was the one leading worship up here. Up here. Clearly, clearly the better half. Um, I married up, it was great. <laughs> but, but if she and I uh, ha- have a wonderful marriage, that marriage, right, that relationship is because we spend time with each other. And it means that I share my heart and she shares hers. It means that I listen, right? It means that we do things together. Like that, that's how you form relationship, right? That's how you get to know somebody, right? And again, if we think back to the foolish that were asking the wise for something, you can't get to know somebody through somebody else. You, get, you can get to know of them really, really well. I like, I like Robert Downing Jr. He's a good actor. Like, I, like I've listened to interviews and stuff because they find him interesting. But if you said, hey, Robert Downing Jr., like, how's Nathan doing? He'd be like, I have no idea who you're talking about. <laughs> right? Because I don't actually know him. I know of him, but I don't actually know him. Because the time needs to be spent. So what does spending time look like? It's really every day, and, and I'll, we'll kind of go through this a little bit. I'd say every day, you should be reading the Word, praying, which is just a fancy way of talking to God, and worshiping, which is just a fancy way of saying thanking the Lord. Right? Every day. And, and when I say every day, to, to be clear, and even na- name those things, the intention is not to be legalistic. This is not a like, oh, well, I missed yesterday, so the Lord's pissed, and, <clears throat> oh, and this is not good, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, like, that's not the intention by any means. Like, and, that's, and that's frankly not the Lord's heart, right? He wouldn't have come to, to, to forgive the sins of the world just to get mad because we missed a day, right? That's, that's not his heart by any means, right? His heart, again, was to remove the divide. It was to be accessible. It was to be able to love us more than we can even love him, right? Because fundamentally, we love him out of his love, right? He is all things. He fills all things. He's from and to all things. Like, we are part of those things, right? He inhabits us. So we can't even really love him without him, so it's not necessarily, like when I say every day, it's not so much to say like, ah, oh, it's got to be every day. It's to say there's need, there absolutely has to be consistent time if, if you want the oil. Right? If you want to know him, there's got to be consistent. There's got to be time that is spent. If you really want to know him, and, and it is a wonderful, beautiful, transformational thing when it happens. Again, it's that easy, and it's also that hard. And just, just to give you so... Again, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of practical things. So to give you an example of my own life, and I don't, I don't share this as any sort of like, oh, look at me. So my goal on a daily basis is to spend an hour with the Lord every single day. So first thing in the morning, I wake up, and I've got like my home office and everything, and I've got a little corner of my home office that is set aside as like my quiet time corner. So I go in there, I sit down, I put on noise-canceling headphones because I have two smaller children. <clears throat> Not even joking. I have noise-canceling headphones because I want to be focused. I, you know, and, I, and I read the Word, and I worship, and I pray, 
and I listen. And my goal, like again, my goal is every single day I'm spending an hour. Now look, some days, again, this is not like this is not to be like, oh look at me. Some days I get it. Like some days I'm at an hour, some days I'm more. Some days like work is crazy and it's 30 minutes. But every single day I make sure that I have set aside time to spend with the Lord because I'm not willing to be foolish. Because I want him. And frankly, like like Michael was saying before, I don't have enough. Like even with that time, I'll tell you, when I started off and I was spending that time, it started off as like maybe 10, 15 minutes. And, and it grew to an hour. And I'll tell you, the days that I get to spend an hour with him, it's not enough. Like it flies by. I end and I'm like, like and I end because I usually have to go to work or that sort of thing. And I'm like, okay, well, awesome. I spent the last 40 minutes worshiping and I read and I haven't even gotten this other thing. And that's okay because it's not about the time. It's not even about exactly what you're doing. It's about just being with him. It's about being with him. And I think it's important to understand too that, like, that Jesus desires that. Right? He desires that time with us. So, you know, so for myself, um, and we'll start to wrap up here in, in a couple minutes. Um, so for myself, you know, there, there was a point where, you know, where I started to know him, to really know him, right? Not just knowing of him, but I was spending the time. I was getting to know him. It was, you know, it was and it is a, a, a beautiful time, right? Uh, of being able to really encounter the Lord. And there was even things, right, in that time that I had to work through. You know, because I think ev- even within that time, there's often, um, like, misset expectations where it's like, okay, cool. Like, if you haven't been doing it for a while, like, that's okay. Like, like, this is not a, this is not condemnation. Like, hopefully the Holy Spirit's tugging on you and saying, like, yeah, come back, let's do this. But, like, when I, when I first went in, I call it, like, a brain dump. I literally spent my first, like, after, after getting, getting back into this, um, I sat down, I probably spent 30 minutes, and I just, like, wrote down, like, every thought that came into my mind. I call it just, like, it's like a brain dump of the Lord. That's part of how he and I process stuff at times. And it was literally just sort of, like, almost emptying, right, uh, or, or making up for lost time, right? Like, as you, when you miss a friend for a long time. Sort of emptied myself. And then I came back the next day, and I did the same thing. And I came back the next day, and I did the same thing. And it was sort of eventually, right, that, that, that gap I felt like was closed. And I really began to, to hear and experience the Lord, right? And I began to be able to cultivate you know, that, that oil. Right? I began to experience that oil. But then even, even within that, you know, there, there was a point that I hit where, um, where I had this, almost this tug of war, not dissimilar to, to, I think, like what Paul describes, right? Where... I can actually feel, so I was, at that point I was probably spending, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes a day. I can actually feel the Lord, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost like just, I don't know, a feeling. I could, I could feel the Lord tugging on my heart saying, look, like, come, like, more, like, I want more time. I want more time. Like, he desires us so badly, so badly. He wants that time. And he was pulling me in, right, saying, more, let's have some more time. And at the same time, frankly, the world was pulling on me. And because and the, the enemy doesn't want that. The things of this world are absolutely enticing to this world, right? Like, and there's this tug of war, right, of keeping up of different things. And it wasn't until, really until I went and, uh, and spent some time with some friends, some of the weird ones. <laughs> they were great. I love them. <laughs> like, and and, we got, and I got some prayer, and, like, and they saw it, and they really sort of helped sever that, right? They helped break off the things of the world. Because let's be real, right? If you, if you read the parable of the sower, right, there are seeds thrown in a bunch of different places. One of those places, the seed takes root. And one of those places, the seed starts to grow. And then the thorns, the things of this world, choke it out. Right? It's a real struggle. So part of what we need to do right, is spend time with the Lord and break off the thorns so we can get more Jesus. 
Because look, this is what it's all about. And then the beauty of it too is like we are his reward. So again, like, he, it's not like he doesn't want to spend time. I think just because we go in one day and maybe we don't get like the exact word that we need or want right at that point in time doesn't mean that he's not there and he's not present. Right? We are his reward. He did all of it for us. Yeah, it's just so good. So, and, and I think that, that in and of itself even becomes a, a litmus test, right? Of, you know, if, if you're spending time with the Lord uh, and, it, and you're really getting into his presence, and I'd even say, like, if you're going in mad and you're coming out mad, you probably missed it. <laughs> right? You probably missed it. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> and honestly, like, Stacy can vouch for it, right? There's times where, like, I don't know, I get woken up by the kids and it's earlier than it should be, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to time with the Lord. <laughs> and you go in. Like, and I spend some time, and I come back out, and I'm like, Argh. and Stacey's like, you need to go back in your closet and spend some money. I'm like, okay, go back in, right? But, but for real, like, if we, if we get into his presence, and we're looking at him, like Peter, right, then transformation has to happen, right? Because like, he, he is fundamentally different. He fundamentally looks different. It's the same thing. When we go in and we come out, our heart should be more tender. We should be seeing the fruits of the Spirit. And I think, you know, that even... Uh, that even becomes just, just an important aspect where I, I have heard at times people say, well, if you spend all this time with the Lord, when are you going to go out and serve the community, right? When are you going to serve the widow? Or when are you going to serve the, or, or whatever it may be? And that is totally true. But what I would say is that if you're actually spending time with Jesus, you can't help but do the other, right? You can't go in and see him and, be, and not be transformed and not go man, like, I need to go serve some people today. And the beauty of it is that when you're operating out of that, then the person who's serving them is Jesus, right? It's Jesus in you. You're transformed, and you're able to love and impact and pray and be present. And then when you're out there, the oil of the Lord is getting all over everybody, and they get to be transformed. And that's such a better thing than just going and doing it a different way, right? And being like, well, I'm supposed to do this because the Bible says, like, yeah, that's true. But, like, wouldn't you rather be led? By the oil? Wouldn't you rather have the presence and go and do it? <laughs> oh, that's what it's about. So good. Sorry. Jesus is good. All right. All right. We're going to land this. We're going to land this. So I, I want to be clear. I am not sharing this because I've got a perfect. By any means, hopefully I've made that clear. If I sound in my commentary, you've seen that it's clear. Um, but again, I think it goes back to so at the very beginning, right? We can have as much of him as we want. And, man, I, I, I personally am unsatisfied with how much of the Lord I have. Unsatisfied. I, I would spend as much time as I possibly could doing more things with him. And, like, and I'm called to the market. So I'll even say, too, like, honestly, I love being called to the market. Like, I, I live in the tension of having to go do marketplace things and spending time with the Lord, and being out in the community, and, and, and serving in, in various ways. And you know what? Like, that is a sacrifice that I will wholly make every time, and I will always prioritize and try to spec. I just want more of him, right? It's just something good about that. But I would say, too, it, with that, you know, I think my, my heart, too, is that we are a church that hungers and wants him, right? Let's not be a foolish church, right? Let's be a church that wants the oil, Let's be a people that desires the oil, right? That we only have one chance to be prepared, and it's before he comes. It's now, right? Once he comes, the event's happening. You can't prepare when the event's going on, right? It's like you either, you either did it or you didn't, right? You're either there or you're not. 
And to me, like my heart so much, and hopefully, it's, hopefully it comes through so much, right, is for us to be stirred to be a people that are hungry for Jesus because he is hungry for us. And not, not in just a showing up on Sunday way. I mean, in a way where you're cultivating the time, where we're cultivating the time and spending time with him and we get to know him. Because when I get to heaven and I get to see him, you know, Michael, I love the illustration Michael used before. I want my house next to his. Like, I want it to be where I get to see my buddy, right? I want to be like, yes, this is what you look like. Awesome. Like, I want it to be a beautiful reunion, right? There's a reason it's a marriage feast, right? There's a reason, like, it's, it's a family, right? There's a house. We get to come together. Like, I don't want it to be a... Yeah, I think that's you. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? All right. So we're going to wrap up here. Um, what I would say is if you are like myself, if you want more of the Lord, I don't get, this isn't about what camp you feel like, whether you felt like you're foolish or wise, or whatever, I don't care. It's not about that. It's, it's an illustration. It's a parable is, right? It's just an illustration. What I would say is if if you feel like the Lord has been tugging on your heart, like I described, and wanting more, and wanting more time, and you've been fighting you know, against the worldly things, whatever it is, if you, if you are hungry, just in general, for more of the Lord, call yourself on the wise side. Again, it doesn't matter. But if you want more of him, then what I would say is, we'll go and I guess go and do another song. And we'll have some folks up front. And I'll just say, come up, and, and we'll just pray for you. It doesn't have to be a, you know, it's not going to be a long thing. Um, if there's people that are in the way, then, you know, then line up or whatever, or don't. But, but I do think there's something to be said for having the things of this world broken off. So that way we can really, really get to him and know him. And then I'd say after that, if you, want, if you need other prayer too, you can obviously come up as well. But, um, so we'll have a few people come up, I think, that'll will be willing to pray with us. If you guys don't mind standing too, just as we, let's just worship the Lord. He's good. If you want more, come up and get it. <laughs>